This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon. This is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. Back in May, the UN's World Meteorological Organization, or the WMO, had said that we are now coming out of an exceptionally long La Nina weather phenomenon uh, that intensified drought and flooding, and that now El Nino, its warming opposite in the cycle, would likely be on its way this year. And this indeed happened in July. And while these are natural phenomenon, uh, it is also taking place against a backdrop of human-induced climate change, which is increasing global temperatures, affecting seasonal rainfall, patterns and making our weather more extreme. So what lies in store for Malaysia's climate uh, and are we prepared? So today on the show, I'm joined by Azni Rahim. She's the Principal Assistant Secretary for Water Resources with the Ministry of Natural Resources, Environment and Climate Change or the NRECC and Lau Yahua, the co-founder of Makaranga. Makaranga just released uh, just earlier this month a couple of articles uh, covering El Nino. Uh, so we're going to be talking about that as well. Welcome both of you. How are you today? Good. Hello. Thanks. Mm. Thanks for having us. Lovely yep. to have you uh, on the show. So yes, um, I think you know Malaysia is quite familiar with El Nino. We've had it before, but uh, you know, just for our listeners' benefit, maybe we can do a bit of a one hundred and one. Can we, uh, Yahua? Maybe you want to take this one. You know, can you just explain what El Nino is all about? Right. Yeah. So we are quite familiar with El Nino. Um, we, in our impression, in our memory, in our experience, it has always led to very dry, very hot weather. Um, and it's actually a natural phenomenon and it you know, occurs every two to seven years. And so what, what happens is that, um, so this all begins somewhere in the central and eastern Pacific Ocean. It's a huge like climate phenomenon. It's, it's El Nino is part of this larger uh, climate process called the El Nino Southern Oscill- Oscillation, mm-hmm. right? So what happens, I mean, what it starts with is that, you know, Somewhere uh, in the eastern and central Pacific Ocean, the winds that blow from the east, that is from the Americas towards Asia, weakens, mm. right? Mm. And when that weakens, uh, usually when it's stronger, like the the water will go from the will come from the east towards the west, that's towards like uh, Indonesia, Australia, Japan, right? And that brings like all the warm water over to our side. But when that those winds weaken. The, you know the the warm waters reverse. They go back to the east, and then with when the warm sea water, the surface sea waters go back to the east, that they carry with them a lot of the moisture. So you know when rain, we, if we have if we want to have clouds, we need to have moisture in the air. They rise and they form clouds, right? Yeah. If we still remember that in terms of meteorology. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so as as the warm sea surface water moves back to uh, towards the east of the Pacific Ocean, the moisture is also taken away. Um, so what we are left here in um, this part of the world in Southeast Asia is clear skies. Very few clouds form. I mean, there are other weather uh, processes that happen there, but the, the, the fact is very few clouds will form. So we get very you know, long stretches of clear skies and then the sun hits down and so we get very we get warmer Warm weather yeah. and also drier weather. It tends to happen that way. Yeah. Okay. And as we also mentioned, right, it's it's affected Malaysia before, uh, you know, many many times actually. Uh, can you just uh, remind us, you know, how it has affected us? Uh, yeah. In what ways? Yeah. Um, so I think our listeners 
are old enough to have experienced 97, 98, at least as teenagers. Um, That was it for me. Um, You know, so 97, 90. So there are different uh, categories of El Nino strength. And this is based on uh, an index, you know, that Mm. is compiled by the scientists. Um, There are several indexes, but let's use the one, the ONI. And so, yeah, there are different categories of strength. And there have been several strong El Nino events that hit uh, Southeast Asia, I mean, Malaysia. So 97, 98 was one. And more recently, 2015, 2016, those mm. were very memorable ones. Mm. And if you have lived through it, you remember water rationing, uh, haze because of so dry, no yeah. rain, and then uh, forest fires and uh, pit, pit land uh, fires that led to haze. Um, so just lots of... And then you know there were studies showing increased uh, respiratory illness associated with that. So, yeah, 97, 98, 2015, 2016, very hot, very dry for months, actually. Yeah. yeah. And remember, I think the 97, 98 one, I think the highest temperature recorded was like 40.1 degrees or something. Yeah, I think like that, that right? was in uh, Chuping. Chuping, yes. Yeah, yes. So definitely um, the, the hottest, the, the impact of El Nino is, is on temperatures in mm-hmm. Malaysia. is quite clear. Yeah, yeah it's quite clear. Do, do you even remember? Um, I think it was 97. And then when... I remember coming back from Saudi Arabia and the sky was orange. Do you remember? Because yeah, of the haze. Because, because of the, of the haze. haze. Yes, yes, I do remember. Yeah. It's like one of those things like, wow, so beautiful, but quite deadly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it's because the sun looked like this egg yolk, right? And you're like, oh, that doesn't, that's not natural, right? It's because of the haze yeah. and everything. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. So yeah, th- those memories and the water rationing, oh gosh, not not great. And But now, of course, you know, as, as we also uh, alluded to earlier, combined with the climate crisis, right? Uh, against the backdrop of global warming, uh, it, you know, that might just intensify everything. Everything, isn't it? So what, what can we actually expect of El Nino and extreme weather uh, going forward? Uh, Azni, you want to take this one first? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, like El Nino is part of the natural climate occurrence. So does La Nina. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just want to throw this in, you know, um, IPCC in their fifth assessment report, IPCC is, is the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. Um, before this, they framed... Um, climate change as hazard vulnerabilities and also, um, if I'm not mistaken, it's risk, mm-hmm. that, that form the risk. And there are two parts of it. That's the um, natural climate system and also climate change. And now we they, they have framed it in a different way. So it's no longer just, um, you know, risk, but interactions of system. Mm-hmm. And then if you, you know, you're referring to ENSO, of course, um, the modeling to include natural climate system with climate change is still being developed. There's only one. Um, if I'm not mistaken, it's um, uh, UKM is doing it um, under Prof. Fredeline Tangang, if I'm not mistaken, before this. So, you know, what, what we can expect from El Nino with climate change, it might be um, catastrophic. Um, projections have been prepared. Uh, there were already regional discussion on uh, the dry years, 2024 until 2025. So we are doing everything that we can, you know. I mean, we don't want to alarm people, but we need to know that this is happening. Mm-hmm. So with climate change, all this natural climate occurrence will only get intensified. Like you will have longer and hotter um, days. So, although our projection um, 
I know, I think um, the minister has presented this at the parliament in June. Um, we have um, basically prepared with the early warning and all of that. And um, at um, the Department of Irrigation and Drainage, um, we're doing that this uh, national water balance study as well. So we, we are monitoring all this. Yeah. So we can expect drier okay. days. Okay. Okay. So not yeah. great, huh? Yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 um, when it comes to temperature, um, yeah, it definitely doesn't look great. And I think, you know, just now, um, Asni was talking about modeling, right? Mm-hmm. So when we were doing this, this few stories, I mean, that one loud, like when I thought, when I thought like forests, data is is actually forest data appear quite simple compared to water data because of different parties involved and the data is helped by different parties and then a lot of modeling and, and, and rainfall and stuff. But just, just coming back to this uh, projection going forward. So it's it it you know based on our reporting, um the impact of El Nino and climate change on temperature is 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 very clear. Mm-hmm. And Malaysia has been warming up uh, in, in, in the past recent decades, even without El Nino. Yeah. And El Nino just adds on to it. Yeah. It, it. It seems that way. Mm. So just to look at it would be like, um, you know, before year 2000, seven of the 10 hottest years in Malaysia uh, were also strong El Nino years. That's before year 2000. So before year 2000, you could see this strong relationship between El Nino and you know very hot years in Malaysia. Mm-hmm. But after year 2000, um, only two of the top 10 hottest years in Malaysia coincided with strong El Nino years. Okay. I mean, there's of course, after year 2000, they will have, there were only three strong El Nino years, but 2010 was a strong El Nino year. And it... And there were four other non-El Nino years that were hotter than it. Mm. it right. And in the past few years, mm. it was supposed to be La Nina, right? Yeah. But we actually have very high temperatures here. So to me, that's like a, quite a clear signal that we are getting warmer even without El Nino. And as uh, Asini just said, you know, 2024, 2025, Oh, okay. So they are preparing for that. So okay. <laughs> so so Ooh. okay. So I think that the projection is that. But when it comes to rain, like, do we know about rain? Rains to me in my reporting seems a lot more complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I was very surprised. I didn't know rain was so complicated. But but apparently it, it, it is, and it's not so easy to model the the all the clouds rising and because we are surrounded by seas so mm-hmm. there's a lot of moisture and dynamics moving mm-hmm. around so apparently not so easy to to model yeah. that yeah. so met meteorology the malaysian meteorological department told makaranga that when they look at total rainfall i think um since 1950 or 60s to now they don't actually see a statistical uh, relationship between el nino and total rainfall mm. um but other studies have found, uh, you know, they look at different parameters mm. and then they found, you know, that El Nino would, uh, you know, make it drier. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, just different interpretations. But overall, extreme weather, droughts, floods, very hot days are all expected to increase with uh, future and new and then also global warming yeah okay all right yeah. so everything's going to be exacerbated uh, from and nothing that we've probably seen before as well right that's quite likely okay let's just go for a quick break guys when we come back let's talk about uh, water resource uh, water resources right and our water supply status uh, i'm speaking today to azni rahim she's a principal assistant secretary for water resources at the ministry of natural resources environment and climate change or nrecc and lao yao hua co-founder of environmental journalism portal makaranga we're talking about el nino which is 
uh, well, is upon us, isn't it? And uh, is Malaysia prepared? What are we doing? Or what do we need to do? We'll continue that discussion after this quick break. Keep it here on Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. This is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. In the studio with me today, Azni Rahim, Principal Assistant Secretary for Water Resources at the NRECC, or the Ministry of Natural Resources, Environment and Climate Change, Malaysia. Also with us, Lau Yaohua, co-founder of environmental journalism portal Makaranga. We are talking about El Nino. Uh, as we know, back in May, the UN uh, World Meteorological Organization said that we are going to expect uh, El Nino. And in fact, it has happened uh, in July. Again, you know, we have, as we mentioned before the break, natural phenomenon, but, you know, against the backdrop of global warming and the climate crisis. Uh, we are you know, expecting even more uh, increase in global temperatures. We're expecting even greater impacts than anything we've seen before. And of course, you know, when we talk about El Nino, we always worry about water, right? Uh, water supplies and uh, how that's going to affect us. Um, Azni, you know, what is the, the state of Malaysia's water supply, right? Uh, and which states would be most vulnerable to water disruption, if at all? Yeah. Well, um, I, I would like to basically highlight that, um, you know, water supply um, is at state level. Okay. You know, the operators is regulated by um, the Commission for Natural National Water Services, but it's still a state jurisdiction. Understood. Right. Um, but then, you know, um, we, we would like to ensure our listeners, uh, we do not have a water issue for supply. Uh, so to speak. But, um, you know, like I, I think I mentioned um, during our chat just now, uh, the minister has uh, basically assured the parliament that um, we are not going to ration okay. water supply just yet. But um, to to Yauha's um, point just now about the changing climate, I just want to highlight that the change in our climate uh, is observed, Meteorological Malaysia actually has data 100 years back. So um, Fraser's Hill used to have, used to get uh, snow <laughs> back in really? 1920s. I didn't yeah, know not that. So the, okay. the last uh, Director General of Met Malaysia actually told me that. And wow. I asked him, I asked him like, what, what, what can we do? And he said, oh, we, we need to plant more trees. But I think it's beyond that right now because the impacts of climate change, you, you can't just basically just stop um, greenhouse gas emission and then expect everything to go back to you know pre-industrial um, era. You just can't. Right now, adapting to climate change is so important. Um, I'm very passionate about this matter, and that's why I, I'm taking this opportunity to, to include it in this water supply discussion. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, um, we are enjoying abundance of rain, right? Um, we have about, um, from our national water resources study back in 2012, we are enjoying 900 71 billion cubic meter per year. That translates into about 1,500 cubic meter per person per year. Okay. So it's how we're managing it, right? And um, you know, we, we are encouraging all this discussion with, with the state governments to ensure that your operators are, are basically able to sustain water supply. Yeah. Okay, 
All right. So quite confident then that we will be that we are prepared. Um, yeah. What do you yeah. Like so so when we look at the um, well, well, first off on the on the Fraser Seal having snow, well, that's uh, that's that's that's, yeah, that's news. Today I learned. Well, yeah. That's right. It's always good to listen to radio. Correct. You learn something. <laughs> um, yeah. So so when it comes when when we look at the water supply um, across the states, so one way to look at it is to look at. Um, the water reserve margins, mm-hmm. which is, you know, if has, if a state has zero reserve margin, that means it is, uh, let's say, processing uh, just enough water to meet its demand. So one water treatment plant down, uh, there is no reserve, uh, there will be water disruption. Did I get it right? I think that's, that's about right, it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's look at, um, and so SPAN, the, mm-hmm. uh, com- the National Water Services Commission, they have set a target of like 15% uh, water reserve margin uh, for all the states. So, of course, their jurisdiction do, does not cover Sabah, Sarawak, okay, but for the rest of the states, they want to have this like 15%. So far, there are five states that have not met this 15% target mm-hmm. as of uh, 2022. Okay. So, you know, and some states are actually very, uh, the water reserve margins are near zero. Mm-hmm. That would be Kedah, which is 0%, yep. Kelantan, 4%, Malacca, you know, close to 5%. Uh, Perlis is slightly better, 8.4. Johor, 11.5. Selangor is just slightly more than 15%. Okay. Uh, be, Selangor used to be zero, actually, for a for good number of years until the change. Uh, maybe we can talk about that in, I think, 2021 something. But yeah, so if you look at the water reserve margins, uh, 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 there's a good number of states that are quite vulnerable, I would say. And, you know, back to Asni's um, point on, we have abundance of water, rainfall, and that's that's definitely true, uh, which is the question that people always think. Wow, yesterday it just rained. How come right, today I have right. water disruption? Right. I think the issue is you you might you we we have rain, but we need to be able to harvest that rain, collect it, don't let it all flow down the drain or to the sea or you know there's there's the ways of collecting that rain and then treating it right. So that's the water supply treat the the, the processing and treatment is the water supply. Uh, part of this whole, you know, from where I get my water, right? Mm-hmm. So the water resource is the is before the water treatment plant. So mm-hmm. when it flows into the river from the dams, uh, uh, from you know how much water, how much rain we get, you know, into the lakes, into the river, into the dams. So I think that's the water resource part. Correct me if I'm wrong, that's Asni. Right, yeah. yeah, and then and then from the water treatment plant onwards is the water supply. So it's like you know two parts, two different things, two right? different things. Which I also learned while I was doing this story. So, so yeah, so we do get a lot of water, um, but there are some states that are quite vulnerable to water disruption. I, I think. Um, so I, I think when the minister was saying that uh, they would try their best to assure that there's no water rationing. Um, I think he was probably referring to, I mean, Span told me this too, that they have this war room and they want to coordinate water sharing or, you know, water supply between states, right? So, for example, some states have high water reserve, um, you know, like, Mm -hmm. strangely, Penang actually has like 26%, but then we hear them complaining about water all the time now in the states, uh, in the news. Perak has 27% reserve margin. Trenganu has uh, near 32 so these states, you know, Pahang also has has access. So you know, when other states, you know, are, are, are running are, low, are probably running low, then you know, water can be moved around. Okay, yeah. but there is, you know, there is uh, things being done to improve the situation. Basically, right? I mean, like you mentioned, like Selangor used to be so low, and we've managed to get it up to fifteen percent. I mean, what are some of the methods that are uh, that are being employed to do that? So basically, if you improve um, the service, you will get um, okay. you can ensure 
that water run, right? Um, but I, I just want to highlight, although we're enjoying a bundle of rain, but 43% evaporates, yeah. you know, and only 51% flows. As yeah, that's the thing the about looking just at rainfall. Off. If you just look at rainfall, right, you can get a lot of rain. Like yeah. Liu, uh, Liu Juning, the climatologist at uh, UKM, uh, he was telling me, like, if you just look at rainfall, it's kind of, it's kind of, Sometimes paradoxical when it's raining and then on a hot day you get a lot of rain, but then they all evaporate. So actually, you yeah. don't get that much rain, which is what as this as yeah. point yeah. is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Got it. So water catchment is very important to store all this, other than our dams. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, in relation to supply, it's basically infrastructure work. Okay. You know, if you you know for for states um, that is experiencing low reserve margin, they need to have more water storage mm. capacity okay. and it, that requires a lot of, of investment as well. So I think um, um, that's what the government is doing right now. It's to address Klantan and also Sabah uh, water woos. And I, I would like to also say that 90, more than 90% of our water comes from um, the, our rivers. Yeah. So the health of our rivers is so important. Yeah. yeah. We are trying to, you know, like um, improve governance and also the policy uh, with this. Um, I mean, I'm taking this opportunity to talk about the policy side. Please, please. Uh, So the last time um, we developed the water policy was back in 2012. We're reviewing it. Um, The aim is to um, basically um, adopt better governance um, leading to integrated water resources management, you know, just to make sure that uh, water resources and also water supply, including sewerage, is approached um, holistically. Um, we are combining it um, in this review. So everything is now a systems approach. You just don't look at it from, you know, oh, this is water resources issue, this is water supply, because everything is interconnected, including pollution. Um, you know, for water, um, climate change is just part of it. The yeah, bigger part is the water trilemma, which is too much, too little and too dirty. Mm. So when you talk about, you know, water management, you really need to start looking at it from, you know, water demand, from population increase, industry, as well as our land use. Because what climate change is doing, you know, and keeping to this this theme, right? The global climate change is actually impacting the global water cycle. Correct. So um, um, the minister actually mentioned this in a country statement. We attended um, the, the second ever UN Water Conference 2023. That climate crisis is also water crisis. You know, because without water, there's no life, right? So at the ministry, we were, we were looking at it from that angle as well, you know. Um, implementation, yes, but how do we improve governance? Because talking to states, you know, because it's, this is enshrined in our constitution, the states would have full power on water sources, um, just like land. So how do we encourage cooperation, right, especially at River Basin all of that? So hopefully um, this year we can see this new policy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And and so okay. So you kind of outlined how you know the climate crisis is also a water crisis, right? And maybe uh, you'd like to outline or what either of you you know how that will actually come to affect our water security as well. 
Yeah, um, this is actually something that I really like to hear from 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 Asni. I think I would just like to point out that um, you know, just based on the projections of uh, you know, where the drier and hotter weather will come in the future, uh, unfortunately, they will also happen in the states like Kedah, Kelantan, that that uh, that we mentioned have very low water reserve margins. So they already have very low water reserve margins, and they will experience more extreme. Uh, temperatures and droughts uh, in the future. Uh, Joho, I, I mean, uh, a climatologist told me that um, Joho, uh, you know, relatively is, is, is quite comfortable with water reserves and um, usually not so affected by El Nino too. But uh, in strong El Nino years, and as we project forward, there will be more of these extremes, uh, the impact of El Nino will be more widespread. So, so even states that have comfortable water reserve margin now uh, really need to look at it. And it's, it's, it's nice to hear what Asni was saying just now, you know, looking at it as a whole integrated bunch. Um, the, there actually have been so many studies, like when I was doing my reporting, there have been so many studies, not always easy to get a hands on those studies and the data, but there have been many of it. Um, and then Asni also mentioned like uh, water, uh, you know, looking at the water basin, you know, uh, looking at how we, the water catchment areas. Mm. So I, I guess I'd just like to point out here that uh, if we want to look at it as a whole, right? So just not looking at what comes out of our pipes, but right back to the source. So the mm. weather, everything that happens on top is, is you know, some, somewhat beyond our control, you know, with all these carbon emissions, it's like all worldwide. But then we can very much control again with the states, what happened to our forests that, you know, collect all this rainwater, store them underground so that when days are drier, our rivers will not run dry, right? Because mm. the groundwater will, will replenish the rivers and these things. So, you know, I, I didn't manage to get this into the story, um, looking at the, uh, the forests that are, uh, you know, listed as uh, or gazetted as uh, water catchment areas uh, in forest reserves. I only managed to look at Para and then uh, Southern Pahang. So Para is doing quite well. Uh, I mean, in terms of protecting uh, the this this forest okay. that are uh, gazetted as uh, water catchment forest reserves. Um, you know, since from year two thousand one to two thousand and twenty one, uh, Para has only. Well, satellite images show that Para has only lost 1,300 hectares of their water catchment forest. I mean, forest loss, okay. 1,300 hectares. Their total uh, water catchment forest reserve area is about 470,000. So in the last 20 years, they only lost like 1,300. And this is all satellite analysis. So I say that's pretty good. Mm -hmm. um, of course, to the people who are staying right next to the forest, maybe it's not so great. Yep, yep. Uh, but if you just look at the big picture, Para is doing quite well, I would say. Pahang, on the other hand, just looking at the southern part, I haven't done the, 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 the real quantitative analysis, but just look at the maps and I look at where the, the forest loss has happened. You know, something that we are quite familiar with, the Ibam Forest Reserve, mm. the, the, the whole um, thing, I think we have talked about several yes. times here. That alone uh, was 8,500 hectares of, for, of water catchment forest reserve degazetted, and then even more than that. So... So just looking at those numbers like that on on a preliminary you know analysis, uh, Pahang in doing so great, uh, but you know I I I I do not know the the whole situation for the rest of Peninsular Malaysia yet. So I think those are some things that we really need to look at too. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Azni, would you like to comment? Yeah, I mean, these are some of the things that um, 
you know, what uh, management has to look into. We we got to admit that there are some trade-offs between environment, including um, water, that we need to give way for development, right? Yeah. And I, I think I clearly mentioned before uh, that land, you know, including forests and also water um, lies with the states. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, we're trying to encourage all this good governance, Um but there are enablers um, that we can, basically, the federal government can can invest in, like collection of data and looking looking at the alignment or a nexus approach between water, uh, food, and also energy. Mm-hmm. So that would make it more efficient, you know, a systems approach towards things. And then um, this this is of course um, was reported in our water sector transformation twenty forty. You know, um, we're, we're working towards that and we're trying to um, uh, align our our function towards achieving that. Um, the other thing that I would like to highlight is, uh, you know, um, collaboration with stakeholders. I'm, I mean, I, I, I very much enjoy this discussion where you, you assert uh, water catchment as an important part of water management. Um, you know, alignment of all these big themes, water, biodiversity and climate change is being pursued by UNFCCC um, as well. So um, just to highlight, um, the Sharm el-Sheikh implementation plan is the first ever to mention water for the first time, especially mainstreaming adaptation and also water. So to ensure that everything is approached holistically. Um, From the UN Water Conference as well, they are really, you know, banging on about the science part of, of, you know, hydrology, meteorology and also climatology together. Um, Science-based risk and form um, it's it's in our development plan, but right now it's translating that from the big big um, policy picture into uh, strategies and also the three feet implementation. It, it's it's not easy, but um, we're getting there. Okay, <laughs> but it's great that I mean those discussions are happening. You know, putting it all together, making it more synthesized in that sense, right? That's, That's right. definitely happening already. You would say, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Excellent. One more quick break, guys, and then we'll come back. Uh, let's talk a bit more about you know um, something that you mentioned as well, the water sector transformation twenty forty. Let's discuss uh, things like that and how it's related to El Nino as well. I'm speaking today to Azni Rahim, Principal Assistant Secretary for Water Resources uh, at the Ministry of Natural Resources, Environment and Climate Change, or the NRECC, and Lao Yahua, co-founder of Environmental Journalism Portal Makaranga. We're talking about El Nino today and how that affects our water supply and our water resources. We'll have more after. One more quick break. Keep it right here on Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. This is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. In the studio with me today, Lau Yahua, co-founder of environmental journalism portal Makaranga, and Azni Rahim. She's the Principal Assistant Secretary for Water Resources at the Ministry of Natural Resources, Environment and Climate Change, or the NRECC. We're talking about El Nino today. Uh, you know, it is upon us, uh, and we are expecting even more uh, impacts from it, uh, greater impacts, uh, more extreme weather, of course, you know, uh, with the backdrop of our climate crisis as well. And that also is going to 
come to affect, uh, if we remember from past experiences with El Nino, that affected our water uh, supply and distribution, right? So we're talking about that. And we've got uh, Azni, of course, who is with the ministry. So she's helping to explain, uh, you know, parts of uh, what the ministry is doing. But, you know, as you pointed out, uh, Azni, you know, this water, land, all of that, it is a state uh, it's a state matter, isn't it? And, and the decision lies with them. And you did say that you are trying to synthesize and uh, give, I guess, um, alignment alignment and integration, but also you're trying to give them incentives and incentivize it as yes. well, isn't yeah. it? Um, you know, you mentioned before the break how all of that is happening, but do you have any case studies or any examples uh, of that already happening that you can share with our listeners just to sort of crystallize it for us? Yeah. I mean, if you, if you look at how we can, um, you know, um, basically approach all these problems together, it's through Nexus approach. And um, this uh, this was included in the Water Sector Transformation 2040 report. Um, one case study is the Sungai Perak River Basin. So if you posit, um, you know, water, energy and also food together, um, the river basin development is where it can happen. Mm. Um, in this report, um, you know, um, they found that water for food, um, they, they were able to identify a solution for agriculture practices, better irrigation um, technology. And then energy for food, there's a potential to use um, biofuel and POMI to generate um, electricity and also energy generation through mini hydro. Um, I mean, we have uh, had success stories like um, Smart Tunnel, where it's dual function, you know, just to uh, manage too much water in Kuala Lumpur. Um, but at the same time, they, it, this must be replicated. And the bigger issue is not just, you know, infrastructure, because Smart Tunnel... It's really expensive, right? But it's how to finance it. Okay. So financing all the solution infrastructure development um, is something that we really need to, to look for, um, you know, the pathways for, for that. And hopefully from water sector transformation, a chapter from that is, of course, financing. Um, you know, uh, from all of that, hopefully... Um, the first targets, 2025, for better integrated water resources management can be achieved. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What you want to yeah. talk about? Yeah. Well, one of the incentives is, of course, the ecological fiscal transfer that we've been hearing a lot about. Um, and, you know, uh, that the amount that the federal government has uh, allocated for this ecological fiscal transfer, you know, a fund to... Um, to encourage, I guess, uh, state governments to protect natural environments, including forests and, of course, uh, lakes, rivers, and uh, water catchment forests, right? I think the amount for this year, I think it's $170 million, if, yeah, I'm, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. So so that's all moving in the right direction. Um, I, it's, um, you know, when it comes to climate change, I, I, I guess, and for, for me as a journalist, um, like they actually like so 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 much data that I'm not able to get my hands on. Like a lot of the things that have been said like so far here in this show, um, you know, by, by all of us, it's 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 very hopeful. Um and then but the data somehow needs to to come out and then so that we can look. For example, the um the the National Water Basin Research or, or study, uh it, it's online, but only very limited. I think only for one river basin or something, okay. and it's just very limited. I, I really couldn't get my hands on to, to do more um, with, with that. But so if, if somehow, um, as soon as possible, hopefully, um, you know, the, the government and all the academics, right, they can get together and really produce this like very nice report on like 
where would the areas be most vulnerable uh, in terms of water security mm. and not just water supply, you know, mm. taking a note of uh, what Asni has been saying. Mm. So the river with all the biodiversity, you know, energy, food, agriculture, health, mm. perhaps even, you know, like mm. respiratory or like, you know, gastrointestinal diseases, you know, everything all put together and, and show, you know, us as in the citizens. And I'm sure the business industry, you know, would, would be really, you know, really mindful of this also, or, or interested in this to, to see where are the hotspots of uh, water security weaknesses. Mm. I mean, if there's a weakness and there's space for improvement, that means opportunity for a lot of investment and a lot of things, right? Mm. So I think that would be very nice to to prepare the country to face all these water challenges coming ahead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And you would say that we are we are trying our best to adapt to this uh, changing climate to all these threats that are coming in. You know, I mean, the government is, is of course, you know, working on our water instru- infrastructure and everything, right? Would you, be, are you hopeful that, you know, we are doing, we are heading the right path, definitely? Well, we're definitely heading in the right path. Um, it's um, ensuring that it's sustain, sustained, mm-hmm. you know, because um, I think this is the first time um, that Malaysia is looking at long-term strategy for water until 2040. And um, ensuring continuity, uh, capacity to support really long-term strategies has to be there. Um, and um, I, you know, before uh, before anything, I want I want to also highlight that water is the driver for climate change because most disasters are related to water. And also the impacted by like water security, the one that we're talking about here. Um, at the same time, we're also managing all this increased water demand from our population increase mm-hmm. and um, industry as well. So ensuring um, domestic um, um, demand is there um, as well as other uses for water, manufacturing, industry and all that, it, it has to come together. So you're absolutely right. If we look at maybe not vulnerability for water security, but looking at the users and, you know, just um, uh, going down to the river basin development, which, you know, it's not really um, there yet. So that would be a possible way um, to... to Start looking at um, all this nexus approach and um, finding finance for this. Yeah, mm-hmm. is there anything from the you know you you mentioned the water sector transformation twenty forty right? I mean, um, I don't think many of our listeners perhaps are aware of it or or you know familiar with what it's actually about. Are there some highlights that you think that we should all know about? Yeah, so um, water sector transformation um, basically there are two goals. To this, um, this a study was commissioned by EPU back in 2020. Um, it's to ensure water security and also sustainability. Um, this is for our development, mm. and then water as an economic opportunity. And um, we, we, if you compare, you know, as utilities, water and also energy, the investment is not equal. Okay, right? Yeah. Because we we need to start valuing water. Um, you know, valuing water is really important so that we know that we're we're actually paying <laughs> um, really cheap mm. for an important 
resource. Yeah. Yeah, so, that's the unpopular opinion. Yeah. Now, we need to pay more for water. I was like, oh no. But indeed, you know, this it has is. been mentioned several exactly. times already that exactly. we are using the average Malaysian uses, uh, I think, 200 litres of water that's a right. day. Yeah. Whereas the, I guess the WHO recommendation is 160 <laughs> litres a day. Yeah. So, yeah, if you're listening to this while you're showering, <laughs> like, please stop. And, yeah. Or brushing your teeth and not and switching flushing off. twice, yeah, like, like me. Flushing <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. You know, let's yeah. proceed. Let's go on. Not not just that. I mean, like, um, if you look at water, if we 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 have um, water accounting, we can see a lot of industries actually are very water intensive, just like our oil and gas. So ensuring investment into the country also re- um, relies on on. Um, availability of water, which yeah. a lot of states sometimes they don't have the capacity to ensure that there's enough water um, for new investment to come in. So um, for water sector transformation, there are a few things um, that um, we're looking into. It's empowering people, governance um, at all levels, including state and also the local government. Um, and of course, that's why we have this um, review of our water policy, um, enhancing capacity for data-driven decision-making, um, finance, a uh, very important part of that, and um, sustainable infrastructure with cost-effective technology. So the infrastructure bit is part of the investment. The data technology has to be there as well. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so a lot riding there. Um, but just just running out of time, unfortunately. But yeah, well, you know, you, uh, Makaranga did release two articles on this, right? Uh, any any other highlights that you just want to quickly tell us about, you know, the, some things that you learned, you know, when you were doing your research on this? The main thing I learned is that the work is tough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley so and I, yeah. I mean, we wrote the stories. Um, we wrote the stories. Uh, we started talking about the stories um, early June, late May, early June. And I was quite confident that we could pull it off. Um, and we had these grand plans. Uh, my, my grand idea of this map was to like, we, 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 we map out um, all the, the whole water supply chain. Mm-hmm. So if I stay, say, I, I click on uh, Subang Jaya, I could tell where my water come, came from, mm. like to which water treatment plant and mm. to which river, to which dam. Mm. Unfortunately, I'm like maybe 5% into that. Okay. I, I couldn't get, like a lot of data was not available. Yeah. And water, like the parameters, on, on, you know, whether you choose to look at uh, total rainfall or you look at like, the top 5% rainfall, it's just quite complex. Mm. Um, so, but I learned that um, there's, well, I learned that, uh, well, okay, the findings of the story, you, you guys can go read it on your own. But just as a journalist, it, it takes a lot of uh, effort to, to really learn this. And just now we talk, we, we mentioned several times about river basin. Like I had to go learn how to analyze river basin on QGIS. I, I, I did it, wow. but I just couldn't get enough data to, to do it across. <laughs> so what's the point of doing just one river basin? Yeah. Um, so yeah, so life for journalists doing this kind of research. Actually, Malaysia Kini did a really good piece last year. Yeah, I was trying to live up to their, to their standards. Uh, I think I failed. But, <laughs> but still, uh, for all the journalists out there or want to be journalists out there, this is a good 
challenge to tackle. Okay, all right. So, so we've got that, and um, I guess you know also to just just remember that um, we are we need to prepare for it as well, right? Also on an individual level. Um, yes, we can talk about policy level and and business, but uh, also on a personal level, we need to we mm. need to start preparing for this, and we need to think about it. Um, so do go and read those articles on Makaranga. Uh, there's two articles uh, and also an explainer uh, as well, right? On El Nino, and you guys also have an ongoing uh, supporter. Well, you know, like you said, it's not easy, right? Doing this kind of work. Yeah. It's not- it's not. Um, so I guess this is the spiel to, um, to you know, yeah, so Makranga just launched our sort of like our, our membership uh, program. It's called Makranga Supporter. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the so our readers can pay to be a member. They get perks, you know, like webinars and newsletters and, and dispatches from our journalists. And um, so I guess the, the, the money would definitely go into funding um, journalists uh, writing and, and reporting. So, yeah, so if anybody's interested, the response so far has been actually quite great. Um, people are very generous and supportive, but we will need more. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so anybody's listening, just head over to makaranga.org and look for the Be a Makaranga supporter link. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And also follow you guys on social media because yep. I think that's where you do updates as well. Um, Azni, uh, thank you so much, you know, for joining us and giving us the, uh, the government p- yeah. perspective. But would you have any concluding message that you'd like to leave no, our listeners Firstly, with? I would like to congratulate Yao Hua. Um, I, we shouldn't be calling you a journalist. We should be calling you a researcher now. <laughs> it sounds like <laughs> Thank it. Thank you. All, you know? all of it. Well. But, um, you know, all this conversation, as um, Yao Hua correctly put it, um, it's really complex. Um, I, I was not prepared for the complexity of, of water as well. Yeah. I thought it's like climate where it's very scientific, yes. But um, after maybe a few times of... Um, you know, um, looking at the multilateral side of things and also the policy. Um, water is a bit more complex because of our governance structure, mm. you know, the shared power between federal and state. And that's just talking about um, governance. At implementation level, there are a lot of challenges, right? And these challenges are not easy to overcome. Um, so, you know, at household level, if we, if we were to follow how we um, adopt to conserve energy, if we can only do that for water, that's a huge start, actually. Okay. You know, because we are enjoying um, um, very high consumption of water. So valuing water, I, I you know, I, <laughs> because I'm a mother, right? Um, uh, to, to conserve water is one thing, but it's little things that we can do. Like if you want to cook, just make sure that you don't waste water. Mm. Um, um, it's basically just being aware uh, mm. that we are we are equally responsible in ensuring all of this. Mm. Yeah, simple things, even rainwater harvesting, That's right. for example. Right? Yeah. Yes, there's plenty we can do. Okay. Well, thank you so much, both of you, uh, for joining me today. Uh, I was speaking to Azni Rahim, Principal Assistant Secretary for Water Resources at the Minister at the Ministry of Natural Resources, Environment and Climate Change, and Lao Yahua, Co-Founder of Environmental Journalism Portal Makaranga. Do head over to makaranga.org to read those articles. Uh, but if you miss any part of our conversation today, you can always search for the podcast at bfm.my slash earth. You can also find it on the BFM app. This has been Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.